Welcome to the ValeoCon Commercial Excellence Podcast. My name is Arne Butman. I'm a partner in our US office. Our guest today is Chris Salen, and our topic is the increasing role of analytics to drive commercial impact. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Arne. For the benefits of our listeners, would you mind introducing yourself? Sure. My name is Chris Sellen. I'm the U.S. Head of Operational Excellence and Analytics at Shire. To give you a little bit of background, I've been in the pharmaceutical industry 22 years and have had various roles that have given me an opportunity in sales, marketing, operations, and analytics leadership. And I wanted to call out one thing that I think in the middle of my career really shifted my thinking. I spent about six years in Lean Six Sigma black belt roles at two pharmaceutical companies, and it really showed me the importance of questioning some of my hunches and my intuition with data when I was looking at commercial processes. And it really has adapted the way that I approach things since then. Very good. Great background. Thank you. Let's dive right in. So obviously the role of analytics has changed over the last 10 years. From your perception, how would you describe the major changes and why is analytics so important in pharma today? Sure, so the last 10 years have obviously been seismic. We actually are in a big data age and you hear that a lot, but what does that mean? We're really seeing massive proliferation with 90% of the available data created in the last two years. And we're in a situation where we have our traditional structured data in pharma, but we're introducing unstructured data from new sources. So we have pharmacy benefit and medical benefit, but augmented with EHR, and now even information from companion devices, including wearables. And what that is doing is it's making us very data rich, but at times insights challenged. We almost have too much. So I think what we really need is a strong analytic foundation, but also then on top of that, a very strong analytic capability to release these insights. The second thing I would add is that 10 years ago, really everything was a report or a dashboard. So descriptive analytics that looked at history. And I would liken that to driving your car by looking in the rear view mirror. So right now, really, there's been a big shift in emphasis, not just from descriptive to augmentation as well with predictive and prescriptive analytics. And really, when you look at predictive analytics, what that does for us, it allows us to predict what will happen in the future. So driving, looking through your windshield. And then prescriptive analytics actually adds the element of prescribing an action to address that potential issue you've predicted. So things like a next, next best action. So I think those are kind of two areas that there's been a lot of shift in mm -hmm. the last 10 years. Very good. Adding to that shift, at least what we see is that each therapeutic area also has its unique needs. You have the mass market, you have specialty, you have rare diseases. Are there, and if yes, what kind of economies of scale are there? And where do you need to be specialized, have specialized skills supporting those specific business needs? Sure. So what I'd like to kind of do is come back to what I would say is more of a continuum than I think specific settings. So really, I'd look at a mass market continuum going from mass market down to rare disease. And when you look at the mass market area, what happens is I would liken that to more of a gathering, if you will, mm -hmm. using a hunter-gatherer continuum. And there where you're gathering, you really know who your physicians are. It's well-established. You know who your competitors are. And there you really want to have analytics that focus on helping with that dialogue with the physician. 
So as an example, next best action allows for a sales rep based on data to have a better dialogue by addressing a potential concern that physician mm -hmm. has. Now, if you move all the way along that continuum to rare disease, then really it gets to be more of a hunter area where what we have is sparse numbers of patients in an orphan area. We're not sure where they are. They're the proverbial needle in the haystack. So we have to help our customer facing folks with information that helps them predict where that patient is. Mm -hmm. And one reason that's so important is that right now in rare disease, it takes seven years or greater to actually get a correct diagnosis. So we want to help physicians to ultimately identify that patient and get them on appropriate therapy. I think we have great examples for the importance of analytics and having strong analytics capabilities. One question that companies face is, should we have all these analytic capabilities in-house or are we better off using agencies as partners? What's your view on that? So to me, I really think you have to start back with what your strategy is in your organization and also how analytics sit in your organization. If your company views analytics as a true strong competitive advantage, you're probably going to build stronger internal capabilities. One thing I think you really have to define is what sort of model do you want? Do you want a centralized center of excellence model, which has advantages of actually in a sense, building stronger capabilities internally, or do you want to have a decentralized model which has all of your analytic people in your franchises, which allows for being closer to the business, but actually has some shortfalls on building consistent capabilities, or do you want a hybrid model? So we decided on a hybrid model where we have business analysts in our franchises, and then we actually have a limited data scientist pool that's focused on addressing true advanced analytic questions. Now, I think I buried the lead. You had asked the question about uh, how do you use vendors. I think once you determine that, I really see two critical areas. One of them, if you view something not to be a core competency for your group, you really can have that done by a vendor very effectively in analytics. So if it's not a competitive advantage, you can do that. The second area I would say is that if you're going into a new advanced analytic area and you really don't have the ideas or the experience, a vendor can really help augment your thinking on how to embed that capability in your group. Mm -hmm. So I'd say those two areas I really see a huge value. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So in that sense, you do need to have some internal people with the capabilities, whether it's a business analyst, whether it's the data scientist, as you described in this more hybrid model. How do you go about building those strong analytics capabilities? So I think it's really important first to define what good looks like. And as an example, what do foundational, intermediate, and advanced capabilities look like for a business analyst, a citizen data scientist, or a true data scientist? And once you've developed competency models, this can really inform how you hire and staff your teams, what your performance management looks like, and ultimately how you train your teams. And once you have this understanding, then I would say it's very important to conduct an impartial diagnostic or assessment so that you can understand where you stand as far as capabilities. This assessment I would do broadly, looking at anything from data acquisition to how you process and store data to your systems governance, the analytic frameworks you use, and also your structuring capabilities. And once you have that understanding, I think a final step is building a roadmap that's progressive. And what this allows you to do is really say, how are we going to get to where we want to get in areas like channel analytics, patient analytics, and lifecycle analytics, just to name a few areas.
Yes. Very good. Yeah. Beyond the technical analytical skills that a data scientist, a business analyst should have, how important would you say are softer skills like consultative skills or business partnering? I would say very important and equally important. So giving the example where soft skills essentially get you in the door and create receptivity to your recommendations, you need to have those. But you also need the harder analytic skills to ensure that your recommendations are actually accurate and fact-based. For us, what we looked at is defining capabilities as business acumen, technical statistics, and consultative skills. And you can see that that crosses soft and harder skills. And if you don't, in your organization, have business acumen, you're not really going to get to the right business question. And then if you don't have technical skills, you're not actually going to set up and execute on the right models. Lastly, if you don't have consultative skills, you're not going to be able to develop relationships and design narratives that pull your recommendations through. So really, I think having a full complement on your team is very important. Very good. And obviously, it also depends a bit on which role you have. The data scientist would probably be much stronger or needs to be much stronger on the more analytical skills versus a business analyst surely has to have more of the consultative business acumen skills in relation. Absolutely. And I think a lot of that drove why we did a hybrid model mm -hmm. with data scientists centrally and business analysts in the franchise. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you were leading to that. I think you said 10 years ago, very different landscape. 90% of the data was generated in the last two years. That change hasn't stopped, right? So the analytics, the field of analytics is changing rapidly. You have data, more and more data. You have rapid technology changes. There are the industry dynamics of emergence of IDNs. How do you structure an analytics function to be able to respond to those changes still in a quick and agile fashion? So I think a lot of it is then having your team built with the competencies that I mentioned. But often if anybody's tried to hire somebody that has all of those competencies, it's like finding a proverbial unicorn. So to me, when you build your team, it's ensuring that if you have a data scientist with very strong technical capabilities, that you're also augmenting with somebody that has consultative skills. So if there's an insight that's been brought up that kind of flies in the face of a key stakeholder's beliefs, that we can put together a message that will be well-received. So I think it's building that skill set as a team. I think another thing we have to do is have very good data foundations. So you mentioned IDNs. We need to have the infrastructure to be able to roll our information up, which is foundational. But then we also have to start to build in some more robotics and things to reduce the workload. So I'll give two examples. One is you can put simple, straightforward robotic process automation on your processes. And what this allows to do is some of the repeating things to be pulled off the plate from your data scientists. Yeah. The other one is, can you use machine learning algorithms with human oversight, again, to take some of the work away from the analysts where they're spending 70% of their time doing things like data blending and allow them to focus more on insight generation. So I think those are critical things mm -hmm. to allow your people to respond more rapidly to change in the environment. Very good. So really flexible people, flexibly minded people at the same time automating what, what can be automated and putting more emphasis on the human interaction and the insight generation. Precisely. So you, the agility. so you need people who have the technical skill sets, but also a learning agility to grow right. into the dimensions where they don't have as much experience. 
Very good. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you, Warner. Thanks for being on the podcast. If you like that podcast, check out the other episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes.